always pretty obvious that Harry Styles was the brightest star in One Direction. So when the band split in 2016, it was no surprise that he doggedly pursued a solo career. Here we chart his ascension to total superstardom. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. And we are on part three of this One Direction series, except this one's just dedicated now to the breakout star that is Harry Styles. Our boy, Harry. Guys, over the last couple of weeks, we have chronicled the making and breaking of the biggest boy band of our time, One Direction. This is our special bonus episode all about Harry, how he went from being the most popular member of the band to being one of the most popular musicians of our era. Yeah, definitely one of the most charismatic and enigmatic for sure. Now, We finished last episode by talking about the end of One Direction in 2015. They originally announced that they'd be taking a one-year break to focus on individual projects, but became pretty clear at the start of 2016 that it was an indefinite hiatus with no plans of coming back together. And so for the first time, Mish, these five guys who had reached unprecedented heights as a group were on their own to try and make a name for themselves as individuals and... They all kind of approached it in very Mm. different ways. They also had very varying degrees of success along the way. Nobody's success really comes close to that of Harry Styles. So let's jump straight in, guys. We have so much to cover in this episode. How did Harry Styles become the superstar he is today? For that, we're going to rewind back to his birth, Zara. I know we're playing with the timeline a little bit. They'll understand. You guys will get it. We're going to rewind back to the 1st of Feb, 1994. All right. So before we dive into who Harry made himself into today, let's quickly recap who he was before he auditioned for X Factor, right? Harry Edward Styles. It's a famous name. He was destined to become a pop star. Was born on the 1st of February, 94 in Worcestershire when he first appeared on The X Factor in 2010. He described his town as quite boring. Nothing much happens here. It's quite picturesque. (laughs) Even as a child, Harry was always fashionable. He actually told The Guardian once that he has this childhood memory of going to a park and some of his friends remarking, what the fuck are they, when he decided to show up to the playground wearing Chelsea boots, as in like, I Googled these, because I was like, do we mean (laughs) Chelsea football club boots or do we mean a different style of boot? He means like a slightly hipster-esque style of boot instead of the trainers that all of his friends were wearing at the time. So he always loved fashion. Yeah, now his parents divorced when he was seven, but The Guardian later wrote that there was... No origin story trauma. He has always stayed close to both. When he was 16, his mum, Anne, agreed that he could audition for The X Factor and she and Harry's stepfather showed up to the auditions wearing shirts, as our listeners might remember (laughs) from our first episode, with Harry's name on them. She was in The X Factor audience every week wearing that Harry Has The X Factor (laughs) T-shirt. She invited all five One Direction boys to stay for a week in the bungalow at the bottom of their garden as they prepared for The X Factor finals, which the band has said helped them bond. You follow her on social media. 
media now, don't you? And twist. <laughs> she has she has she does have over like two million followers on Instagram. And she posts quite mumsy things. Well, willy-nilly. And I was like, if I was world famous and my mum had two million followers on Instagram and just posted whatever she wanted, I'd be so nervous. Yeah. Because I'd be like, what's gonna get you cancelled? A lot of it's very innocent though, like photos of like flowers and, and stuff. And lots of inspirational quotes. She's a good follow if anyone's interested. <laughs> now, throughout Harry's time in One Direction, it was pretty clear from the get-go that he was the star. We know he said in the first episode his audition wasn't the strongest, but once he was in the band, it was pretty clear that he did, in fact, have the X Factor. Sean Smith, who wrote the book Harry Styles, The Making of a Modern Man, told Express that looking at One Direction's history, and I quote, one of the things that is most of interest to me is the hint, really, that One Direction was all about Harry Styles. Yeah, you could see right from Harry's X Factor days that he was put front and centre and was almost always the one to bring home the biggest moments in every song. No doubt, Michelle, that this probably killed Liam Payne, who at the start clearly thought that he was the leader of the band and, of course, even claimed that the band was formed because of him. But the fans really gravitated towards Harry. Rolling Stone described him as a buoyant fan favourite. He was also the most followed, right? Like, if you looked at the social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Harry was number one. The Guardian noted that Harry literally stood out from One Direction with his, and I quote, androgynous fashion choices, for starters. He's long long-haired pussy bow blouse phase was more Bowie's the man who sold the world than primped and glossed boy band drone. His love life also saw him earn a reputation beyond One Direction, whether it was making headlines for dating a woman 14 years older than him or becoming musical fodder for his ex-girlfriend Taylor Swift. We've never been quite clear if this relationship was legit or just pure PR. We've been clear. It was pure PR, surely. (laughs) As a result, Rolling Stone recalled that with a self-effacing smile, a hint of darkness and the hair invariably described as tussled, he became a canvas onto which millions of fans pitched their hopes and dreams. Hell, when he pulled over to the side of the 101 freeway in LA and discreetly threw up, the spot became a fan shrine. It is said that the puke was even sold on eBay like pieces of the Berlin Wall. (laughs) Paul McCartney has interviewed him. Yeah, after one direct broke up, former X Factor judge Louis Walsh slammed all but one of the band's members. He told the Daily Mail, too much money, too much success, too quickly. Simon Cowell created monsters and that was it. They all think they're going to be solo stars. They're not. Only Harry. That's it. What a scathing quote. Created monsters. Created monsters. Outrageous. The question was... Were these people right or was this like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Whereas all these experts in the room are saying, well, Harry's the only one that's destined to be the star. And I think with hindsight, we can say, well, all of these people were right. Mm. But also we can say, well, maybe he was the only one that kind of could be a star when he was validated constantly by these experts. Yeah, maybe. But is the average, say his average fan base would be of what, 12 to 24-year-old girls. Is the average 24-year-old girl reading the Daily Mail and going... Oh, no, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with opportunities. Yeah, maybe. I still think regardless, even if Louis Walsh was saying, I don't see it, he would have made it anyway because his career was never built by people like Louis Walsh. I agree with you. I'm just saying I think there's certainly an element of like that has to have some impact in the early days because it's also taken Harry quite a few years and a couple of albums to really hit 
the level of success. Hit the mark. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of the main articles we read while researching this episode was a brilliant Rolling Stone profile of Harry in 2017, written by Cameron Crowe, and it was one of Harry's first profiles as a solo artist. Yeah, as Cameron Crowe wrote, when One Direction ended, the white noise of adulation was gone, replaced by the hushed sound of the city below. For the first time, Harry had to reckon with that massive question hanging over his head, what would a solo Harry Styles sound like? Now, that is a question that he spent all of 2016 trying to work out as he chipped away at his first solo album. Yeah. Now, after five years of consecutive albums, tours and media appearances, Harry stepped back from the spotlight to plan out like a 10-song album with more of a rock sound which he gave the working title Pink. He also spent several months that year filming his first major acting project, a small role in Christopher Nolan's World War II film Dunkirk. When he returned to LA from shooting, he decided that he wanted to finish the album outside of London or LA. So four days after returning from that film set, he and his band made their way to Port Antonio on Jamaica's remote north coast. And over two months, he produced the bulk of his EP at a studio and compound built into a mountainside where Drake and and Rihanna had also recorded. Not bad. What a sexy way to make music. Built into the mountainside. Crazy. It's a good way to get creative. Now, Rolling Stone wrote that life in Jamaica was, and I quote, 10% beach party and 90% musical expedition. Harry lived with his band in the two-story villa filled with instruments, and they spent many mornings swimming in a deserted cove at the bottom of the hill. Harry told Rolling Stone that above all else, he wanted the album to be honest. The quote went, I didn't want to write stories. I wanted to write my my stories, things that happened to me. The number one thing was I wanted to be honest. I hadn't done that before. And I think this is a thread we'll hear a lot about One Direction and people's solo careers is it's like, well, no one actually knew who I was mm. at all. I was just a great big commodity. Before the album came out, he also alluded to the kind of pressure and nervousness he felt stepping out on his own. There's a moment in the profile where he listened back to the album in front of the reporter and was sort of nervously jingling his keys, explaining, I mean, I've never done this before. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That's so endearing. It's very sweet. There's another moment where he talked about the kind of fear he his parents had for what would happen when the roller coaster that was One Direction ended. He said, I feel like they were always thinking, okay, this ride could stop at any point and we're going to have to be there when it does. There was something about playing the album and how happy I was that told them, if all I get is to make this music, I'm content. If I'm never on that big ride again, I am happy and I am proud of it. Mm, but there was this other brilliant moment that really captured one of the things that has arguably made Harry so popular and that's the respect he has for his fans. Rolling Stone famously asked Harry as to whether he was worried about proving his credibility to older, perhaps cooler people outside of the One Direction fan base. To which Harry said this, Who's to say that young girls who like pop music, short for popular, right, have worse musical taste than a 30-year-old hipster guy? That's not up for you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There's no goalposts. Young girls liked the Beatles. You're going to tell me they're not serious? How can you say young girls don't get it? They're our future, our future doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents. They kind of keep the world going. Teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you, which is sick. One of my favorite celebrity quotes ever. For sure. And it's one that continuously gets quoted again and again and again. And I wondered at the time when I heard this whether 
This is a quote that was kind of set up, and I don't mean this in an all a bad way, but if Harry had this sentiment behind closed doors and his team knew it was going to be popular, was there a way that a question like this was planted or do you think this just rolled off the tongue? No, I don't think Rolling Stone would plant. I don't think Rolling Stone has any interest in setting up shots for musicians to whack out of the park. I Rolling Stone they would in this sense. No way. Yeah. I completely disagree. I think because this, this is just this a very well-trained guy. This is now one of the most famous profiles ever done of Harry Styles because yes. of this quote. But sometimes people can just give a good answer off the cuff in an I, interview. Isn't it possible that he just believes this and was trained to have this approach to his fans? And a potentially snarky or arrogant Rolling Stone question was the perfect opportunity to give I a great reply. A bit of column A, a bit of column B. I truly wouldn't be surprised if the PR team was like, here are some things he's happy to talk about, knowing full well and training him full well to say this. And I, I, mm. I don't mean this in any way to take away from the quote because I still think it's one of the strongest quotes I've ever read. The way that it is so beautifully crafted says to me that this has been very much fed to him. You little cynic. I love him, but I still, <laughs> I still don't believe everything. Now, the album was by and large a hit. Harry's first single off the record, a ballad called Sign of the Times, was met with favourable reviews. The song had been a pretty creative breakthrough for Harry and his band and it did earn the praise of critics, which to him I imagine was most important. Mm. The Guardian review said that, and I quote, as a credible piece of indie pop balladry that moves styles into a new arena, I'd say he just about pulls it off. Yeah, the rest of the self-titled album was released on the 12th of May 2017, Rolling Stone called it, and I quote, a superb solo debut. The New York Times were a little bit more critical. They wrote that it was, and I quote, sometimes great, sometimes foggy. They did say, though, that Harry was so clearly trying to distinguish himself from his pop boy band past. Still, the album debuted at number one on the US Billboard 200. Yeah, so not that bad. Now, one of the biggest questions fans had, though, was who were all these love songs written about? In his Rolling Stone profile, Harry noted that there was a recent relationship that was significant over the previous few years and that he did reference that relationship on the album. Mm. He said she is a huge part of the album. Sometimes you want to tip the hat and sometimes you just want to give them the whole cap and hope they know it's just for them. Harry didn't specify who he was talking about and what lyrics he might have been referring to. The Guardian wrote that leaving his fans to debate this is surely part of the marketing campaign. Yeah, and part of that debate really centred on Kendall Jenner, who Harry Styles had been linked to multiple times over the years. Zara, after the break, we are going to deep dive what the hell happened between Kendall Jenner and Harry Styles. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Alrighty, Mish. So what did the relationship between Harry and Kendall look like if people were so sure that she'd inspired so much music? Well, to talk about that, we're going to have to jump back a bit, right? And people will need to think of us because we know the timeline here can be messy, but we know you'll want to hear all about it. So we need to go to 2013 to talk about Harry and Kendall. And Mish, I have to preempt this by saying this has been one of the more fascinating things to dive into because I also kind of thought that Harry and Kendall was a PR relationship. You and me both. So guys, you guys can be the judge of this. Tell us what you think on our socials after we've given you the details. 
The first time Harry and Kendall were linked was back in November 2013. They were spotted having dinner at Craig's restaurant in West Hollywood and were photographed leaving in Harry's car. Kendall had just turned 18 that month. Harry was 19 years old. Now, a source back in November 2013 told People magazine that the two were just friends and there was nothing really to see here. The press didn't buy that, though. During an interview with Piers Morgan that same month, Harry was asked point blank, are you dating Kendall Jenner, yes or no? To which he replied, I mean, we went out for dinner, but no, I guess. What an answer. The following month, they were spotted leaving a hotel in New York and they were then seen spending New Year's Day in 2014 skiing and snowboarding in California. Now, according to reports, they broke up after three months of dating to focus on their careers. The Sun reported that Kendall is focusing on her modelling and Harry is preparing for work on the band's fourth album as well as their stadium tour. That wasn't the end of them, though. Fast forward almost two years later to the end of December 2015 and Harry and Kendall were seen vacationing over the new year together again. Days after Harry embarked on his One Direction hiatus, he and Kendall were spotted by fans at a restaurant in Anguilla in the Eastern Caribbean and photographed on a luxury yacht in St. Bart's. Those photos are so famous now. Yeah. A few days after that, they were seen boarding Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi's yacht in St. Bart's. That was January 2016. And then a few days later, on Jan 7, Kendall's sister, Khloe Kardashian, let slip that they were in fact dating. She was doing an interview with entertainment tonight when she said this they were hanging out together do i think they're dating yes i don't know if they're like boyfriend girlfriend nowadays i don't know people are weird with that stuff so i don't know their title but i mean they were in saint bart's together hanging out so to me that's dating i would call that dating she also then said that she wasn't sure if they had defined their relationship adding i don't know if they've had that talk yet <laughs> now i'm so interested in chloe being so open about this mm. how do you feel about it well i mean like at the point we're recording the kardashians are so meticulous with what storylines get fed to the public when and who's giving the quote yeah and where that quote's going and how it's all happening I need to be self-aware, though. This was almost six years ago. so I think I don't... they were the same then, though. Yeah, maybe they were. It's very interesting, particularly an Entertainment Tonight interview. It's not like she went on Ellen's TV show no. and gave this. It's quite of a, like, for what the Kardashians do, slightly lower profile. I'm really intrigued by this because going back and digging into Kendall and Harry... I do believe wholeheartedly that they were together. Mm. But I wonder if it's quotes like this and the Kardashians being so open about it that maybe back in the day made me think that it shouldn't be believed because I'm like, yes. anyone who needs to say it this explicitly isn't together. Yeah, I mean, maybe Kendall wanted people to know that she was with Harry, but it couldn't really be traced back to her. Harry was very private about this, didn't really tend to wade into this territory. So give the big sister on the case. Maybe she jumped in the group chat and was like, Chloe, I wouldn't I hate it if you told the world that we are dating. It's so interesting to me. Now, throughout the first few months of 2016, Harry and Kendall were spotted together on a number of occasions, but their relationship status remained a mystery. In April, though, there were rumours that Kendall had moved on with basketball player Jordan Clarkson and they were spotted at Coachella together. However, that same month, Harry and Kendall were seen shopping <laughs> together. In September, they were spotted grabbing dinner together with a source telling people that they were rekindling their old romance. And then in November, Harry Styles attended Kendall's 21st birthday party in LA, although 
That guest list for Kendall's 21st birthday also included Jordan Clarkson, that basketball player that she was supposedly dating in the same year. So it's getting a little messy. That was kind of it for Harry Styles and Kendall Jenner and the dating rumours around them for the time being, which brings us back to April 2017 when Harry was talking to Rolling Stone and saying that a recent relationship had inspired him creatively. And you can imagine then, with all of this in mind, why people said, well, it must be Kendall Jenner. Mm. It simply must be. Now, we have since received confirmation, though, that Harry and Kendall did date per se. Chris Jenner appeared on The Ellen Show just last year to promote the final series of Keeping Up With The Kardashians and played a round of Never Have I Ever. Asked, never have my kids ever dated someone from a boy band? (laughs) Chris held up a sign saying, they have. When Ellen asked, well, of course, Kendall, right? And Harry? Chris said, yeah. (laughs) They definitely want people to know this. Like the Kardashians definitely want people to know. Kendall, Harry, it's good for Kendall's brand. I think it's great for Kendall's brand. Yeah. We also know that some of the songs must have been about Kendall because a few years after this album came out, in 2019, Harry Styles and Kendall Jenner were invited onto James Corden's Late Late Show to play a round of Fill Your Guts or Spill Your Guts. We are sure you guys have seen snippets of this on YouTube or TikTok. Essentially, the two people playing take turns asking each other deeply personal questions. They then choose to answer those questions truthfully or eat something completely disgusting. We're going to play you a snippet of Kendall and Harry playing this game. Dying to know this. Which songs on your last album were about me? (laughs) So it's very clear, given she has... The balls to ask him this question that <laughs> she thinks quite wholeheartedly that there are a lot of songs written about her, right? Yeah. And he didn't it, answer the question. He didn't. It's so funny. You kind of see him go back and forth. He like tucks a napkin into his shirt to start eating this cod sperm, then takes it out, then kind of ums and ahs about it. It's all theatrical. Oh, it's hugely. all amazing. It is incredible. And the chemistry between them, even just as mates. Like they have just incredible chemistry together. They just look like they really Get along. They're also, I know it goes without saying, exceptionally good looking. There is something about Kendall and Harry together. It doesn't even make sense in my mind because I'm not like the world's biggest Kendall Jenner fan. But when I see these two together, I love it. Like I hate to say I ship it, but I do ship it. No, for sure. I think you watch them interact and it's like, oh, yeah. You know how we were having a conversation earlier this week and like the biggest insult you can give a couple is I I don't know what they talk about. (laughs) This is like the opposite of that. This is I know exactly like you guys would have great conversations. It's like electric. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, back to what happened after he was last linked to Kendall. Harry reportedly dated a London food blogger called Tess Ward before moving on with French model Camille Rowe. Now, he reportedly dated Camille for a year before calling it quits in 2018. Now, that relationship felt relatively high profile, not because they ever spoke about it or actually posed together, but because she was said to have featured significantly on his next album, Fine Line. Yeah, while Harry didn't explicitly mention Camille in discussions about the album, his collaborator Tom Hull told the Rolling Stone this. Harry went through this breakup and that had a big impact on him. He had a whole emotional journey about her, this whole relationship. But I kept saying the best way of dealing with it is to put it in these songs you're writing. 
The album Fine Line came out on the 13th of December 2019. Harry described the record to Rolling Stone as, and I quote, all about having sex and feeling sad. (laughs) The album featured two singles, Lights Up and Adore You, neither of which really provided him with the blockbuster hit single he was definitely hoping for. But he did get that with subsequent singles that followed those up. Watermelon Sugar was an absolute hit as was Golden. I actually think Golden might be one of his most popular songs sitting here today, but it was a bit more of a sleeper hit. I think Adore You was more of a sleeper hit too. Oh, yes, Adore You for sure. Because when you go back and read the early reviews of the album, it is very clear that Adore You didn't go as gangbusters as they'd hoped. Mm. But I would also say that Adore You would be up there with one of his biggest songs now, surely. Watermelon Sugar made a big splash. No doubt about that, to the point where I couldn't stand to yeah. think of that song. <laughs> now, the album topped the US Billboard charts and its debut week was the biggest week for a pop album by a male artist in over four years. Beating Justin, it must have beat Justin Bieber, right? Like the only other person he's competing it's, with in the pop space would it, be Justin. It's a good stat, but it's a tiny bit niche. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not putting out any music. Harish is kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was also the fifth highest selling album of 2019, which is remarkably impressive. Fifth in the year. I mean, it's good. But I would say biggest pop album by a metal artist in four years is better than fifth highest album in 2019. Across the world? Yeah. Well, fifth fifth is good, but it's not top oh, three. Yeah, I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's better than just a pop album. Pop album is such a more niche category. But pop stands for popular. But it's, it's, a more, but it's just the category. Everyone listening will be like, why are we talking about this? It's literally just the style of music. <laughs> okay, you guys tell us. What's a what's a bigger achievement? We actually will need to tell them. <laughs> Since his solo debut, Harry has continued to establish himself as a fashion icon. And he's also really challenged gendered clothing norms. He started wearing dresses in shoots and brightly coloured clothing with big collars. He was also the co-host of the Met Gala in 2019, where he arrived wearing a sheer blouse and a pearl earring. Harry spoke about his love of challenging gendered clothing norms in a 2019 interview with The Guardian, saying that a part of his journey was, and I quote, having like a big moment of self-reflection and self-acceptance. I think it's a very free and freeing time. I think people are asking why not a lot more, which excites me. It's not just clothes where lines have been blurred. It's going across so many things. I think you can relate it to music and how genres are blurring. Yeah, around the same time, a fine line. Speculation had reached a bit of a boiling point when it came to Harry's sexuality. Now, remember that GQ profile that we spoke about in the first episode of this series where the journalist asked if Harry was bisexual? Well, ever since then, chatter about his potential queerness had kind of simmered. As the years progressed, he started doing things like waving pride flags in concerts and a single released in 2018 called Medicine included the lines, the boys and girls are in, I mess around with them and I'm okay with it. The horror horizontal pink and blue stripes on his album cover was thought to be a gesture at the trans and bisexual flags. Now, in that same 2019 interview with The Guardian, the journalist put it to Harry that there is a popular perception that you don't define as straight. The journalist asked, the lyrics to your songs, the clothes you choose to wear, even the sleeve of your new record, all of these things get picked apart for clues that you're bisexual. Has anyone ever asked you, though? After some back and forth about the merits of asking such a question, the Guardian journalist qualified that these things are great, and I quote, unless the person behind it happens to be a straight dude sprinkling LGBT crumbs that lead nowhere. Does that make sense? To which Harry replied, am I sprinkling in nuggets of sexual ambiguity to try and be more interesting? No. 
Then he said, in terms of how I want to dress and what the album sleeve's going to be, I tend to make decisions in terms of collaborators I want to work with. I want things to look a certain way, not because it makes me look gay or it makes me look straight or because it makes me look bisexual, but because I think it looks cool. And more than that, I don't know. I just think sexuality is something that's fun. Honestly, I can't say I've given it any more thought than that. Harry has since refused to define his sexuality when asked in a more recent profile with Better Homes and Gardens. Remember when he did that? He said that when it came to his sexuality, and I quote, I've been really open about it with my friends, but that's my personal experience. It's mine. The whole point of where we should be heading, which is toward accepting everybody and being more open, is that it doesn't matter. And it's about not having to label everything, not having to clarify what boxes you're checking. It has posed a really complicated conversation in the public domain, Mish, about what you kind of do mm. with public figures who sort of do make elements of the LGBTIQ plus community part of their brand and then having the public necessarily then demand of them that they have to come out of the closet. I mean, in late 2022, the dangers of accusing someone of queer baiting came to light with Kit Connor, our listeners might remember. Kit was the star of the Netflix show Heartstopper and then felt forced to come out as bisexual after being accused of performing a queer character when he wasn't actually queer himself. Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff about this online Patrick Lenton recently wrote in the Guardian that this kind of culture and we quote all leads to a situation where there is a right or wrong way of being queer where coming out and performing is expected rather than a choice nobody's sexuality or gender identity needs to be offered up for other people's consumption no not even a celebrities now that illustrates one line of argument when it comes to this to counter that to demonstrate the complexity of this debate Anna Marks wrote for the New York Times, no matter how or even if Mr. Styles identifies, we must not look away from the uncomfortable truth about his public image. The celebrity has deployed queer symbols and fashioned himself as an ambiguous icon without touching the messy, unlikable politics of claiming such a label. It goes without saying, you and I are both hetero women, Zara. Yeah. We're not going to weigh in with our opinions because truthfully, they're not even relevant. worthwhile or yeah. relevant in this conversation. Curious to hear where you guys stand if you're part of the LGBTQI plus community. It's a complicated one. Yeah, and we'll put both links to those pieces in our show notes as well because I think certainly worth reading every perspective here. Now, this sort of brings us in the timeline, Mish, to talking about one of Harry's most public and certainly most high-profile relationships to date, which is his relationship with <laughs> Olivia Wilde. Now, in September 2020, it was announced that Harry would be replacing Shia LaBeouf in Olivia Wilde's highly anticipated upcoming movie, Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> At the time, it was reported that Shia had to leave the project due to a scheduling conflict. Mm, a scheduling conflict. Now, Olivia was becoming a really respected filmmaker by 2020. She made her directorial debut with Booksmart in 2019, which went on to win the Independent Spirit Award for Best First Feature and was one of the best reviewed films of that year. There was naturally a lot of excitement about what Olivia's next project would look like. She was 36 at the time and she told Vogue that she was extremely excited to cast 
Harry Styles for the role. She said that the film's costume designer, Ariane Phillips, and I quote, did a little victory dance because we knew that he has a real appreciation for fashion and style. In the same article, Olivia really sang Harry's praises. She said, to me, he's very modern. And I hope that this brand of confidence as a male that Harry has, truly devoid of any traces of toxic masculinity, is indicative of his generation and therefore the future of the world. I think he is, in many ways, championing that, spearheading that. It's pretty powerful and kind of extraordinary to see someone in his position redefining what it can mean to be a man with confidence. As we know, Olivia had been with her fiancé of seven years, Jason Sudeikis, with whom she had two children when she started filming Don't Worry Darling. And in November 2020, news broke that Olivia and Jason had actually split up. At the time, a source close to the couple told People magazine that the split happened at the beginning of that year, adding that it had been amicable and that they've transitioned into a great co-parenting routine. Another source told ET that there was absolutely no drama or scandal. <laughs> they just didn't work as a couple anymore. If you're looking for a juicy story, there just isn't one. That quote. We got one. I feel like say less. To outright say there was absolutely no drama or scandal. If you're looking for a juicy story, there isn't one. Now makes me believe when I look at stories like this, what is the juicy story here? Why do you need to explicitly it's say so that? It's so funny you say that because when I read that, it works on me. I feel gaslighted because I'm like, they're so confident that we'll dig nothing up, that this employee must not be any story. Well, maybe I felt that way at the time, but now that we yeah, know what's yeah. happened here, when I see that in the future, I'll be like, what are you trying to prove? Why are you saying so much? Fast forward two months from then. So we had September, they begin filming. November, Olivia and her longtime partner and the father of her children split. Another couple of months ahead of that, we're in January 2021. And photographs emerge of Harry and Olivia holding hands at Harry's agent's wedding in California. At the time, a source told People magazine that the pair had been dating, and I quote, for a few weeks. Other photos showed them hanging out together in Santa Barbara. Now, people started coming for Olivia Wilde in her Instagram comments section. They were questioning her professionalism for dating an employee and were saying that Harry only got the part, and I quote, because he sleeps with the director. Some thought that it might have been a PR relationship to kind of spark more publicity for the upcoming film. I mean, it certainly sparked more publicity, but not all of it good. Mm. Conflicting reports started emerging about the timing of Olivia's relationship. Some insisted that Olivia and Jason had broken up a year prior, while an insider told People magazine that Jason, and I quote, was absolutely heartbroken about the split. Despite the critics and the rumours, Harry and Olivia seemed pretty happy. In March, he won his first Grammy for Best Pop Solo Performance for Watermelon Sugar. Olivia appeared to show her support on Instagram after sharing two photos on her story. A picture of Mick Jagger performing in a leather jacket and scarf and a photo of Paul McCartney biting into a slice of watermelon. Yeah, we continued to catch little glimpses of this relationship over the next 12 months. Harry and Olivia were seen having lunch in London. They were photographed kissing in Italy, and Olivia was seen at the opening night of Harry's Love on Tour show in Las Vegas. But by comparison, Olivia's relationship with the father of her children, Jason, from the outside 
appeared to be deteriorating and it was far perhaps from the amicable split they wanted to sell us on when it was first announced. Yeah, in July 2021, Jason added more confusion to the timeline when he told GQ that he and Olivia had split up in November 2020. He added that he still wasn't clear about the end of the relationship, telling the magazine, I'll have a better understanding of why in a year and an even better one in two and an even greater one in five. And it'll go from being, you know, a book of my life to becoming a chapter to a paragraph to a line, to a word, to a doodle. I don't know if your relationship with the mother of your two children ever will ever a be a doodle. To be honest, it's never going to become a paragraph. It's it's at the very least a couple of chapters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway. At the end of 2021 in a profile with Vogue, Olivia didn't name drop Harry explicitly but told the publication, I am happier than I've ever been and I am healthier than I've ever been and it is just wonderful to feel that. I hate quotes like that as well. I'm happy. I, I just, I don't really like any of these quotes, to be honest, from either of them. I'm happier than I've ever been just feels like such an unne- Feel that, love that, but just, I know. just don't feels tell like the a world D. that. A few months after this Vogue profile in April 2022, Olivia was very famously served custody papers by Jason while delivering a speech at CinemaCon in Las Vegas. While on stage discussing the project she was handed an envelope marked personal and confidential by a woman in the audience now it was later revealed that the envelope contained legal papers served by jason regarding their two children a rep for jason said he didn't know the papers would be served in such a public forum in front of industry insiders horrendous oh this is a real villain moment for jason sudeikis he said it was an accident but It's hard to fathom how this could have happened accidentally. Olivia has since weighed in on this moment publicly and said to try to sabotage the work I was doing was really vicious, but I had a job to do. I'm not easily distracted. She added, it was not something that was entirely surprising to me. I mean, there's a reason I left that relationship. <laughs> like, I know this story wasn't that long ago, so it's a, lo- a lot of it still very fresh in the minds of our listeners. Oh. Still fascinating to go through. Despite the peripheral drama, Harry continued to make huge strides in his music career. In May 2022, he released his third solo album, Harry's House, which debuted at number one on the US Billboard 200 and in several other countries. He became the first British soloist to have four songs debut in Billboard's Hot 100's Top 10 simultaneously that's a good start no arguments from either of us that's a great start the album has also since been nominated for grammy album of the year and best pop vocal album rolling stone has said that harry and we quote pulled off the neat trick of making his music at one elegant and more refined but also warmer and more intimate the guardian wrote that the album was and i quote extremely well turned out ticks a lot of the right boxes and has abundant charm, which makes it a perfect reflection of the pop star who made it. It's nice. It's actually a really glowing review. Again, though, people speculated which, if any of the songs written on the album, were about Olivia Wilde. Some thought that the song Cinema must have been about Olivia. Like, it has to be. Well, it has the line, I just think you're cool, I dig your cinema. (laughs) Like, she's a movie director. Yes. Others suspected that the song Late Night Talking, with references of when nothing really goes to plan, you stub your toe or break your camera, and if it's hot. Hollywood or Bishopsgate, I'm coming too, was also about Olivia. 
Yes, but Hollywood could refer to a lot of famous people that he knows. It's more tenuous. Yeah, 100%. Cinema feels inarguable to me, but I don't know. Harry also sounded really happy and settled in his life. He told Sirius XM's The Morning Mashup that the process of making the album was easily the most joyous of anything that I've ever experienced so far while making music. Yeah, you wow. could hear that in the album. I mean, this is probably one of my favourite albums of all time. You look like you're like almost blushing with glee when you talk because about this Because if album. I need to be put in a good mood, I will play this from start to end. I love that for you. It's I, a nice it w- comfort space. I don't, yeah. I haven't listened to it that many times. I try not to listen to it when I'm anxious because I oh. don't want to associate it with bad feelings. Yeah. It's your happy album. If happy I need album. to pump myself up a bit, I'll put it on, but never if I'm anxious because I never want to ruin it. It's your serotonin album. Correct. We love that for you. Back to Don't Worry, Darling. The drama surrounding the movie and the role that Harry and Olivia had to play in its creation really started to bubble away. Like the drama was reaching an absolute apex. And we've talked a lot about this in our Thursday Shameless episodes, but we know not all of you listen to those. Some of you are just scandal fans. So let's recap the main points now. Yeah, let's do that. So speculation that something had gone awry on set really took off around July after Olivia Wilde posted a tribute to Florence Pugh's performance on Instagram. And it was a post that Florence didn't respond to or interact with at all. Fans also noticed that Florence hadn't shared any promo material for the film, despite normally being quite active on Instagram about the project she's working Mm. on. That same month, Page Six reported that Florence was upset with Olivia over her affair with Harry because she was still with Jason when it first happened. Flo was dating Zach Braff. Zach Braff and Jason were great mates. Yeah, there were other rumours that tried to explain this away as well. One rumour was that Harry had distracted Olivia Wilde from the film and that while Olivia was distracted and not quite present on set, Florence had to pick up the slack. Then there were rumours that Florence was really frustrated by Olivia's lack of professionalism. The following month, reports emerged that Florence was maybe upset because of a pay disparity <laughs> issue. The report said that Florence was only being paid $700,000 for the performance as Alice, which was the lead performance. Meanwhile, Harry was playing Alice's husband in more of like a sidekick role, and he was reportedly being paid $3 million for that. Now, Olivia Wilde denied these claims outright. She said they were total clickbait, but this really took off. Yeah, I mean, look at how many rumours you just read out. Mm. There were so many theories as to why these two fell out. And I think it became clear that even though we didn't know why, it was very clear that something had happened. Like yes. without a shadow of a doubt at this point, we were like something weird is going on. <laughs> Florence's resentment towards Olivia grew clearer, right? She appeared to clap back at comments Olivia had made about the film's representations of female pleasure, saying that the film shouldn't be, and I quote, reduced to watching the most famous man in the world go down on someone. That did feel very pointed, didn't it? Because Olivia had given many an interview about how you never see female pleasure like this on screen, to which Florence is coming back and saying, don't make this film all about sex. She then didn't show up to the movie's press conference at the Venice Film Festival, which kind of said it all. (laughs) And she didn't show up to the film's premiere in New York at all. Yeah. In response to all of this, Olivia really did try to dispel as many rumours as possible. She did multiple interviews as damage control for the film. Notably, she tried to iron out the timeline of her relationship with Jason Sudeikis and then her relationship with Harry Styles. 
She told Vanity Fair, the complete horseshit idea that I left Jason for Harry is completely inaccurate. Our relationship was over long before I met Harry. Like any relationship that ends, it doesn't end overnight. Unfortunately, Jason and I had a very bumpy road and we officially dissolved the relationship towards the beginning of the pandemic. We were raising two kids during lockdown, so we co-parented through that time. Once it became clear that cohabiting was no longer beneficial for the children, it became the responsible thing to not, because we could be better parents as friends who live in different houses. I don't understand the need to create false narratives and drama around this kind of stuff. It's like, haven't the kids been through enough? Now, all of these rumours actually compelled 40 crew and production team members to even come forward in a joint statement to People magazine and discount reports of onset tension and a supposed screaming match between Olivia and Florence and also denied the idea that Olivia was disappearing with Harry. This was so interesting and maybe I didn't give it enough weight at the time. It makes the whole story more complicated because I think as this unfurled in the public eye, a lot of people jumped on Team Flow. Yeah. Like there was this Team Flow team olivia right everyone jumped on team flow the 40 people coming out to back up olivia wilde 40 people who worked with her who said no no no, we actually throw our weight behind this woman when she's going through a really tough time makes it feel far more muddied and complicated than maybe it played out in the media hugely so I don't know if you can argue with 40 people, can you? No. I can, like, I can understand as well people listening to this thinking, okay, interesting power dynamic if you've got the boss and the boss might be asking you to, mm. you know, back her up. But are 40 people signing on to that? I can mm. imagine a few feeling pressured, but 40 feels like a lot. Now, maybe the biggest development in this story, of course, was when Olivia and Jason's former nanny, came forward with even more wild allegations about the end of their relationship. She gave an interview to the Daily Mail in October 2022, just as we thought this story was dying, Mish. Yes, she did. She alleged to the Daily Mail that Jason was devastated after learning that Olivia Wilde was seeing Harry Styles. The nanny claimed that Jason was so upset after seeing Olivia prepare her salad for Harry with, and I quote, a special dressing, that Jason flung himself under her car to try and stop her from going to visit Harry. Now, the nanny also claims that Olivia and Jason didn't split up at the start of 2020 like Olivia was telling the media. She asserted that they actually broke up a few weeks after Don't Worry Darling began in November. The nanny subsequently claimed that Jason told her that Florence had also had a fling with Harry Styles before Olivia started dating him. Now, crucially, one detail that we can't forget, if that is true... The public, at least, was under the impression that Florence was actually still with her boyfriend, Zach Braff, at that time. We didn't know that Florence and Zach had split until the start of 2022. So reading between the lines, the nanny is insinuating that this was all kind of a sexual love triangle that Florence had been sleeping with Harry. Harry starts sleeping with Olivia. That is naturally going to build a lot of resentment. Yes, for sure. If true, Olivia and Jason hit back in a pretty staunch joint statement presenting a very united front against the nanny, calling her claims false and scurrilous. What a good word. They also alleged that she had waged, and I quote, a now 18-month-long campaign of harassing us as well as loved ones, close friends and colleagues. This was just outrageous, this whole thing. And I think 
as much as I think perhaps Olivia Wilde may not have been perfect, for anyone to go through this many PR disasters mm. in the course of a year would make anyone slightly insane and yeah. paranoid. It, was, it could not be good for your mental health. Maybe one day we need to dedicate an entire scandal series to this. It is, I mean, I know this is a series about Harry Styles, so I'll get back to him in like a very short moment. Yeah. But it always was interesting to me that Olivia instead of maybe simmering down on the PR opportunities, was only ramping them up and up and up. And it felt like every few days there was another profile talking about the same story. I, I wonder when the dust settles and when we talk about that on Scandal in a couple of years' time, how we will see that. Because at the time I was looking on going, what the fuck, like, what are we doing? If you don't want people to talk about this, why do you keep putting it front and centre? And I think for me, the one thing I'd love to look back on and really dig into is were a lot of these profiles given really months before a lot of this drama and all dropped around the same time. And then it just looked like she was constantly being a bit giving quote after quote after quote. I don't know. But I think the other interesting thing is whether this did damage to Harry's reputation mm. at this time, whether him being associated with so much drama and ugly, very personal stories did him damage. Mm. Do you think it did? Yes, for me it did. I think very slightly for me it might have too. I think very slightly it maybe just rubbed some of the shine off Harry. I think until this story, this controversy, Harry was like Teflon. He really did evade any kind of controversy or scandal. The Olivia Wilde association and that relationship and how it played out was just messy. And I think proximity to this level of messiness and ugliness rubs off into anyone. I think it rubs off more onto women, unfortunately, than it does to men. For but sure. I, I think it still rubs off and it doesn't paint Harry in the best light. And I wonder if that did contribute to the fact that they've now reportedly split and gone their separate ways. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think what probably should have stuck to him a little bit more is if the nanny's claims are true and the reason that all of this drama happened is because he slept with Florence and then slept with Olivia, there's kind of very little fault that the public puts with Harry, like yeah. this guy who sort of like played these women off against each other. Are you in a workplace? Yes. Like just keep it in your pants like, if you're on a workplace. Why that, are you sleeping, if that's true, sleeping with two colleagues in very close kind of timeline to like, each other? Yeah, if those allegations are true, I think it probably should have rubbed off on him a little more, but I guess it's Harry Styles. And you're right, in November reports came out that they had split. I think it's pretty clear by now that Olivia and Harry are no longer, at least at the time we're recording. Mm. And I think that kind of brings us to where he is today. I mean, yes, his personal life got a bit messy there for a little <laughs> bit, but his career could not be going better. In 2022, he played a 15-show sold-out residency at Madison Square Garden as part of his world tour for Harry's house. He starred in the Amazon Prime film My Policeman. But I think what feels most remarkable for him is – Yes, how much One Direction is part of his story and how much he doesn't seem to resent that in any way, shape or form, but also how he's carved this completely unique identity after it. Yeah, as you said, he loved One Direction, but it came with some pretty crazy challenges as well. There's a really powerful quote that he actually gave on this to Better Homes and Gardens, where he spoke about how afraid he felt when he left One Direction. The profiler wrote in the piece... Styles said he often spent interviews terrified about saying the wrong thing until he stopped to question what abhorrent belief or bizarre opinion he was scared he'd accidentally reveal and realised he couldn't think of anything. He thought about how, when good things happened, 
say a number one album, he wouldn't feel happy, just relieved. And he thought about the cleanliness clauses in the contracts he used to sign, which would dictate that they would be null and void if he did anything supposedly unsavory, about how terrified that used to make him. And about when he signed this solo contract and learned that the ability to make music would not be affected by personal transgressions, he burst into tears, a reaction he still seemed shocked by, retelling it to me now years later. I felt free, he explained. I really love that quote because mm. I think for a young kid between the ages of 16, 17 and 22, that would be a pretty claustrophobic feeling to mm. think that you can't step foot one centimetre outside the line or else your entire career, people are threatening that your entire career is going to collapse. Like there are a lot of people controlling you like a puppet mm. at that age. And I think with that in mind, it's no wonder Zayn gave it up pretty <laughs> early. But it's also probably more remarkable that he's able to – he still chose this life, all things considered. Like yes. he still said, I still want this, just albeit in a slightly different way. Yeah, in a way that I'm comfortable with and in a way that doesn't make me feel shackled. Maybe. Yes. But fame, this level of fame can't be good for anyone. Who's he going to date next? I really want him to get back with Kendall Jenner. There is some part of me that wants a small fling, but then also some part of me that wants, I kind of always want them to be those exes that are on good terms. Yeah, okay. You want a hot normie, do you? Not a hot normie. I think it'll be a lower profile sort of model-like mm. person. I just don't think he's going to get back with Kendall Jenner. I also want to have hope that exes like them can just be mates forever without yeah, constantly true. flowing in and out of that sexual yeah. side of things. Guys, that is all we've got time for for our summer series on One Direction and Harry Styles. We hope it has been the perfect accompaniment to your summer holidays if you are able to take leave. I always struggle to say that word. You did it so flawlessly. Accompaniment. I didn't even stumble, <laughs> but let me tell you, I normally would. I absolutely normally would. We will be back in your ears this Thursday for our first episode back and we cannot wait to recap all the stories we've missed while we've been on break. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening to this one. We cannot wait to formally kick off the content for 2023. We'll be in your ears on Thursday. See ya. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.